Since 1989, there have been 2,000, this is for serious felonies, there have been 2,449 exonerations in the United States of America. 99% of the people don't respect salespeople, and yet it's what makes the world go round. You and I have talked about this a lot. Sure. I take a great amount of pride in seeing your best employees, the ones that are working hard for you, the ones that have been for you for years and years, and they uh, live in a big, beautiful house and they take care of their families. That's a, a hallmark of success. That's former state senator and Superior Court judge Mike Heavey, followed by Marketing Northwest publisher Larry Kaufman, and coming in third, Bill Cahill, founder and owner of Stop Freakin', Call Beacon. Mike Heavey started a nonprofit organization by the name of Judges for Justice. And what they try to do is simply overturn wrongful convictions. And they have had some success. He's going to talk about some of the statistics today about how many people have been wrongly accused of very serious crimes. It's pretty startling information. Larry Kaufman, founder of Marketing Magazine in 1987, and it is still going strong digitally. I worked closely with Larry during the 1980s and early 90s when I was publishing Voices of Experience as a newspaper. Larry has taught me more about succeeding in business than anyone else in my lifetime. He's going to address the importance of sales today. And Bill Cahill, how did he become so successful? He has done a lot of things, obviously, very successfully, but I think he did two things in the beginning. First of all, he found a niche and he solved a problem. Those are the two things which I believe if you do, you increase your prospects for success tremendously. He's a fascinating guy with an equally fascinating story. Back with Michael Hebe in just a moment. You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com. All one word. Wrongful convictions of capital and other serious crimes happens much more often than you would think. Michael Heavey, decorated Vietnam veteran, former Washington State House and State Senator from West Seattle, and Superior Court Justice, founded Judges for Justice in 2013, whose purpose is to investigate cases where wrongful convictions may have occurred. In a recent address, Mike Heavey reveals some startling statistics regarding wrongful convictions that go back to 1989. The University of Michigan Law School keeps a website named the National Registry of Exonerations. Since 1989, there have been 2,000, this is for serious felonies, there have been 2,449 exonerations in the United States of America. 117 of these men were on, had been on death row, but they're now out uh, walking around a judge agreeing that they are innocent. The United States has 3,143 counties or county equivalents. 
Each one has their own elected prosecutor. When a county has a wrongful conviction in the United States of America, the prosecutor is not particularly concerned with how we're going to prevent wrongful convictions in the future. Canada, on the other hand, is one federal system of prosecution. And in the 1990s, they had three egregious wrongful convictions. Uh, they decided we're going to study those to determine how we can prevent wrongful convictions in the future. The Canadian prosecutors issued their report in 2004. A major finding conclusion was, quote, a leading cause of wrongful convictions in Canada and in other countries is tunnel vision and its perverse byproduct of noble cause corruption. There are deep subconscious psychological drivers behind wrongful convictions. And for us, it's often, or in our cases, it always starts with a shocking crime. A shocking crime is deeply emotional to us all. It turns our stomach, it generates fear within us. When a shocking crime goes unsolved, pressure mounts on the police and prosecutors. The community is in fear and demands justice. Find this deviant killer. The pressure on the police leads to tunnel vision. This in turn leads to the perverse byproduct of noble cause corruption. This is what we call, Judges for Justice calls, the wrongful conviction climate. That's Judges for Justice founder Mike Heavey. You can visit judgesforjustice.org to view some of the videos on cases that he's been working on. Michael has been working on a murder case that dates back to Christmas Eve, 1991, that took place in Hawaii on the island of Kona near the city of Hilo. And he presents on his website a very compelling video as to why he believes the people who were convicted did not commit the crime. So you can visit again, judgesforjustice.org. He told me that he got inspired by doing a lot of the work he's doing now that dates back to the Amanda Knox case. Amanda Knox lived next door to him. His daughter and Amanda used to commute together to Seattle Prep in high school. He suspected from the very beginning that this case was going to railroad and find Amanda Knox guilty. He entered the case. He took some heat for that locally, but he proved in the long run to be right. So visit uh, judgesforjustice.org and take a look at the case involving the Hawaiian case, Dana Ireland, and also a case in Idaho. His efforts helped overturn a murder conviction. So that's uh, judgesforjustice.org. This is part of an interview I had with Larry Kaufman about a year ago, and we're talking about the importance of selling. Now, again, Larry is the publisher of Marketing Northwest, which is now all digital. So all you need to do is Google Marketing NW, and you'll find it. I asked Larry during this interview about the importance of selling your product or service. Not everybody can do it. But you know that it's very difficult to find somebody who can both sell and write in one body. I, I, I don't know what it is, but it people, people either can really sell and uh, they couldn't write their own name or, or, or they really like to write and, and they're scared to death to sell. 
it's very difficult. To well, it's kind of like maybe a pitcher in baseball can't bat. Well, you said, well, why not? Maybe that's the thing. The editorial, you just can be a writer or you can sell. Okay, you can pitch in baseball or you can uh, bat, but you can't do the same. Maybe someone will come along and go, well, you know what? I can pitch, but I can hit a ball too, and I can hit 305 and be a pitcher. Is that a good analogy or what? The harder part, as, as I'm sure you'll agree, is the sales part. <laughs> yes. I mean, the, it, people, 90, 99% of the people don't respect salespeople, and yet it's what makes the world go round. You and I have talked about this a lot. Sure. Uh, it's, it's, it's not, it, it was always the most fun in the 30 years that I've been doing marketing. And it was for, for up until 10 years ago, it was uh, every month, and then it was every other month. But it was always wonderful when I finished selling and could work on the editorial side. That was the fun part. Sure, absolutely. Sales, you got it out of the never, way. Would you agree? Yeah, you ate your spinach, and you got through the meal, and then you had dessert. And that's why the editorial <laughs> was dessert for you. Good analogy. Good analogy. I'm, I'm pretty good at the analogies today so far. Sometimes I'm so far off, but today I've nailed two. Uh, let's see if it can continue. Now, the other question is, because obviously you were before me, you know, I would look at publishing even when you were doing it, like going into becoming an entrepreneur, because that's what you wanted to do is getting away from the bureaucracy. But I would have looked at going into publishing as being very volatile and high risk. When you do something that you're prepared for, as I said, I have a master's degree, a bachelor's degree. I edited the college newspaper for both my junior and senior year, the only one to ever do it two years at Bowling Green and then Syracuse. And then doing the hat trick in journalism, uh, the separations in the preparation, as somebody locally says on occasion. Russell Wilson says, the separations in the preparation. So I never had any angst at all, and especially doing it the way I did it, I didn't need any capital. And there was one important thing that made this all work. When I started out, I said, okay, I'm doing this for the advertising and marketing community, and I'm going to get people who run agencies or run print shops to write authoritative articles. I don't let them do some – I never have let anybody do some – gloss job on, on, on how wonderful their agency or their company is. It had to be about these are the these are what design the, the, the hot items, hot button items in design, for example. And so you're getting real information from people who are in the trenches. You have some pretty darn good tips that people should look at if they're thinking about going into business. For example, just what you alluded to earlier, you didn't think it was a big leap for you because you were ready. You had a lot of training, and that's one of your major points. Do something, I think, that you are prepared to do. Especially in Seattle, because honestly, we can say without bragging that Seattle's got the best and the brightest, and I think it's getting even more so. Let's just say, for example, hey, you see a sports bar, and you think, oh, I've, I've drank in a lot of bars, so I think I'm going to start a sports bar, and I'm a fan of the Seahawks and the Mariners. And so, hey, I, I'm, I'm successful over here in what I'm doing, but I want to go over and start a sports bar. In Seattle, what you run into is a canless kid that grew up at his daddy's knee from the age of two running a restaurant, or John Howie's kid. I mean, the people you run into if you start a restaurant or a bar are people that, that come extremely well prepared.
On October 4, 1957, the American space program began. That's the day the Soviet Union launched a rocket into space called Sputnik. For 21 nights, the Sputnik satellite was visible to millions of people as it circled the globe. The exultation quickly turned into anxiety. If this rocket could carry a satellite, could it also carry nuclear weapons? Welcome to the arms race and space race. The U.S. immediately created NASA. Over 400,000 individuals and 20,000 American companies participated in the space program, contributing immensely to our high standard of living that we enjoy today. I'm Paul Casey with this edition of Time Traveler. I want to thank Jim Fuda of Crime Stoppers and Global Solutions for setting up this conversation with Bill Cahill. Now, Bill Cahill is the founder and owner of Beacon Plumbing. You know, stop freaking, call Beacon. I have always been interested in the Beacon Plumbing story. It does a couple of things, which when I talk to potential entrepreneurs, people thinking about going into business, I always suggest that they start with this, find a niche and solve a problem. And why I wanted to meet Bill Cahill is because he did those two things. For example, he found a niche, plumbing, and he solves a big problem. So let's just get right into the interview. But oh, first, I want to let you know that I did visit with him at his headquarters in Kent. I first asked him, how did he get to where he is at today? This isn't the only business that I've been in, Paul. And I had to go to work at a young age. I was in the restaurant and hotel business. And I worked, as you remember, the Seattle Hyatt House years ago. Out on the airport strip, I served an apprenticeship in cooking and became an executive chef. So I worked all over the country for Hyatt House hotels and ended up in the meat business. And I ended up as a packing house foreman. I asked the chef, I said, well, what's the butcher make here in the hotel? And the chef says... Bill, he makes $27 a day. I said, $27 a day? I said, man, you're kidding me. I says, how do I get that job? He says, work twice as many hours. So I did. And then I ended up working in several packing houses. I worked for K&N Meats here in Seattle. I worked for Frank Rocco in uh, his meat packing plant. I worked for California Meats, Guy Bachoco, down on uh, San Francisco, California. And I worked at Shenz's Pack in the Corned Beef Packing House. And uh, then all of a sudden the meat came in what's called subprimals. And I said, well, you know, this isn't going to work. i got a family now, and things have to go good for my family. So I opened up my own butcher shop, and that was a fatal mistake. I didn't understand that just because I was a good butcher meant I could run a good business. It was a real, real change of events for me economically. Here I am with six kids, and I'm, I'm working in a butcher shop, my butcher shop, with a ton of money invested in a vegetarian neighborhood. Strike two. <laughs> that was that was a strike. Yeah. Yeah. When I wrote a book about that, I said just because you like to read books doesn't mean you can run a bookstore. You know, and that's kind of what you're saying too. You got into a business. You knew about the butchering part of it per se, but you didn't know how to run the business part. So, what did you learn by going through that experience? I, I learned that you want to be careful who's up at the cash register because if you're going to run a business, you have to tender your own cash, and you certainly can't have other people at the cash register and balancing out your books. You got to do that stuff yourself but I got into the plumbing business and I got into it in the mid 80s 
my brother and I, we both, you know, enlisted for the Vietnam War. And at the time that we both enlisted, what happened is Nixon said, okay, we're going to call this war off. It was 1973, but my brother, he was pretty deep into it at that time. So he ends up down in Oxnard, California. And he's in, and he says, Bill, when are you going to enlist? I says, listen, I see these beautiful girls hitchhiking up and down the road in, you know, San Jose, California. I think I'm going to stay behind. The war's coming to an end. I don't have to serve my country. And uh, Harry served his turn in Vietnam, and he was a CB. And so being a CB came out. What is a CB? A CB, they do a lot of construction work in the uh, United States Navy. And Harry served his term, he did a really good job, and he came out as a really good plumber. He goes to school and goes to work for the school district in Renton, and he opens up his own plumbing business. And so I had a gateway into the plumbing business, so I go from executive chef to uh, meatpacking house foreman to uh, plumber. And then I worked after he fired me the first time, because you know how siblings are. When you're working with your family, that's probably the hardest thing you can ever do in business. It's in my book. I have one chapter, and I said, friends and family are for Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's to stay away from family members going into business with one another. So It's totally verified. As I'm putting my will together, I think a lot about my employees here at the company. I really, really believe that my employees will be the stronghold of keeping Beacon Plumbing going. And my son, Patrick. I've got some people that have been with me for 23 years. That's a long time in today's world, you know, people holding a job that long. So, um, I mean, I look at my employees as like an extension of my family. If Thanksgiving time comes and we put a big spread of food out and there isn't an employee that's not welcome in my home, I want everybody to come to my house and I want them to bring their kids and I want them to enjoy themselves coming to take your shoes off and, and feel at home because we're not going to talk about business. I want to see your kids and your families. And uh, it's a fantastic thing when an employee asks you over to their home. And the sign, of, the sign of a successful business is when you see your employees living in really, really beautiful homes. And there's no alcohol in the refrigerator when they open the refrigerator. They got milk for the kids and they've got beautiful furniture and they got a nice home. And to me, I take a great amount of pride in seeing your best employees, the ones that are working hard for you, the ones that have been for you for years and years, and they uh, live in a big, beautiful house and they take care of their families. That's a, a hallmark of success in a business. It's not all the money that we make. I don't think the money is as important anymore, but it is nice when you got a couple of bucks to help people and we can share and we can kind of give back to the community because these people are so dedicated to the company and their jobs. I can't think of any other country in the world that you can start a $30 million business with $6 in your pocket. I'm just surprised you've only been around 25 years. I thought it was longer than that, and that says something, I think. So give us a little of the backstory on that. I never wanted to open a business. I wanted to work for my brother in the family business. We worked together, and we drove each other nuts, and it's his business. So he fired me once, and I went back, and I said, well, I'm not going to compete against my brother. So I got back in the meat business, and then I worked for my friend Jimmy Fuda's wife at the Safeway store, and I was promoted to market manager, and then she fired me. So I said, well, it's maybe time to get back in the plumbing business. So I went to work for several plumbing companies, and I saw the volume that they were doing. 
Then I went to work for my brother again. He hires me back. I was going to own my own business. He says, Bill, he says, come on, let's go for it. Let's go do this and let's build the family business. And the family business was Harry would go to Mexico and I would stay behind and run the company. And uh, he fired me one more time, and I said, that's it. It wasn't that I wanted to go into business. I kind of had to. Backdoored your way in. Well, it was it was kind of a, it was at a time that I bought my house. Here I am with a payment due. And I says, well, I guess it's now or never. And it's just one thing fell after the other. I drove the truck to get gas. I was on my last $5 bill, actually, on Beacon Hill. And the fella came out of the grocery store, and he, he says, I got a problem in here. And I says, he said, where's your plumbing truck? I said, it's right there. And I had a chest of drawers and a few tools. And I went in and I did the job. I went down to the rental shop and rented out some equipment got this guy back in business and when it was all said and done I think I made a whopping 280 bucks and that was the start and then it was a battle knocking on doors and telling these property management companies when your plumber can't find the leak give me a call and I was in this deal by myself for two years before anybody else was involved and I was going to ask you how you got the name Beacon but Beacon Hill Beacon Hill Okay. And the people like the name Beacon Plumbing. They like the service because I'd go into different customers' homes and I didn't leave until the job got done. And then they'd say, Bill, come on, sit down at the dinner table and let's talk. And I'd, I'd make a friend while I'm doing a job. I love talking to the customer. I mean, the, the customer that's in front of you is the best customer that you got. And we've got customers that have been with us from the beginning. We used to be an hourly company, and then we got so big that we had to go to a flat rate book so that everybody's got standardized pricing. I believe that 80% of our business is repeat business. Now you're in a situation where you're doing very well. What is the secret to your success in terms of of like the two or three things that you think that you've done that let's say your competitors have not. We're people and if we make mistakes and people call back in, don't hide from the problem. Don't run from it. Take care of the customer. Tell them it was part of our job and we failed and we're going to get right out and take care of it. Certain times you can't make all the customers happy, but you have to put your best foot forward and do the best that you possibly can to take care of the people that keep the lights on in your business. You can't hide from problems. Number two, we have to hire from within the community. Sons, daughters, family members. How many employees do you have? Roughly 100 employees right now. We put a lot of hours in. I think I work about 114 hours a week. I work seven days a week. Is it that you love what you do, or is it just you you just can't leave it? I mean, what drives you to do that? If someone goes out on a job and they get thrown a pickle or a curveball, then you have to know what to do because there's a tremendous amount of liability in the plumbing business. And so I like to be here for that. It's all part of the deal. You own a business, and you find out that you're going to work more to make less. Do you feel a lot of stress, or do you enjoy it? I've learned to work with it, and I've been through all kinds of things, bad economies, you know, economics, and I actually enjoy being in business. You have a marketing presence second to none. I mean, there's not one person I know that doesn't say, stop freaking, call Beacon. How in the heck did you get Marshawn Lynch and Bobby Wagner to do your advertisements for you? we got something in the works right now, but I don't want to talk too much about it. Okay. You know, we talk about advertising. That's that's kind of a proprietary secret. But, sure. You know, even if I tell you how we did it, our competition's never going to do it. And uh, everybody loves the Seahawks, so we have a player. 
Now, one of the players that he is referring to who has done a lot of advertising for him is Marshawn Lynch. When I did this interview, Marshawn Lynch was still just a memory, and an amazing memory, but again, just a memory. And who would have guessed at that point, and again, this interview was about a month ago, that Marshawn Lynch would once again become a Seattle Seahawk. In honor of his return, let's listen to a Marshawn Lynch, Stop Freaking, Call Beacon TV spot. When you have big plumbing problems, you need superhuman solutions. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. For- Wait a second, aren't you? Marshawn Lynch, Stop Freaking, Call Beacon. Beast mode. What can I do for you? Oh, I think it's just clogged. Here's the problem right here. What's next? I think we're going to have to take the whole toilet out. Got it. What's next? You're all good here. So go with Seattle's winning team and go beast mode on your plumbing problems. Hey, hey, wait, wait. Stop freaking. Call Beacon. And it used to be the, the phone books. Now it's the internet. You advertise because you want the phone to ring. Success in any business comes from taking care of your people. I'd like to believe that every person in here feels that they're valued that they're thought of and that they're respected because they're hardworking people. And if they're going to give the biggest part of their life up to an employer, then we have an obligation to our employees. Well, my thanks to Bill Cahill for spending time. I really enjoyed that interview. I hope you did as well. And once again, I would like to thank Jim Fuda for setting up this interview with Bill Cahill. He is one of the founders of Crime Stoppers Global Solutions. If you would like to find out more about Crime Stoppers Global Solutions and anti-child sex trafficking efforts, you can visit beaconplumbing.net. That's beaconplumbing.net. Every minute of every day, two children are being prepared for sexual exploitation. The average age of these children is 14, many as young as three. Crime Stoppers Global Solutions has developed app technology where citizens can anonymously report crime. You know what you would do if this was your child. Do your part to stop child sex trafficking. For more information, go to beaconplumbing.net. That's beaconplumbing.net. Please donate today. That's all the time we have for this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, your host and producer. I want to thank Judges for Justice founder Mike Heavey, Marketing Northwest publisher Larry Kaufman, and Bill Cahill, owner and founder of Beacon Plumbing. The quote of the week, the American dream of equal opportunity, social mobility, and ever more perfect democracy cherishes the future more than the past. That's David Brooks. Voices of Experience, we talk to people with experience in their fields just like we did today in public affairs, travel, fitness, education, with an emphasis on entrepreneurship. Now, what an all-star lineup we had today. I mean, how could you do better than Mike Heavey or Larry Kaufman or Bill Cahill for experience? And it's amazing how diverse their interests are. One is a judge and a legislator, and two are entrepreneurs, very successful entrepreneurs. And a great marketing guy, Bill Cahill. Stop freaking, call Beacon. Can you get that out of your head? It's not easy. Anyhow, a reminder that Voices of Experience airs Tuesday afternoons at 4.30 p.m. and Wednesday mornings at 8 a.m. You can also listen to all the shows by Googling KKNW and click on the podcast. Locate Voices of Experience and you're there. Oh, and before we go, I just want to give uh, Larry Kaufman's Marketing Northwest website out again, and that's marketingnw.com. 
Have a great rest of the week.